Welcome to Dr. Carol's Couch with your host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. All comments, views, and opinions are solely those of Dr. Lieberman, her guests, and callers. Now it's time to have a seat on Dr. Carol's Couch. Here's your host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome to today's edition of Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Well, what perfect timing today. I had invited my guest um, starting, I don't know, a few days ago, Chief Jim Ritz, a uh, top cop police chief. And um, the title of the show today is Good Cop, Bad Cop, A Few Bad Apples Can Can Defund the Police. And what timing, because hot off the presses today is Trump's new executive order urging police reform, uh, commenting on all the chaos that's been going on. And we're going to be talking about that, as well as talking about um, George Floyd and what happened there. There's all kinds of uh, conflicting information about that. And um, the low morale cops quitting all over the U.S. The Seattle zone, which is uh, a zone of anarchy, and how what the police is, uh, how the police were run off basically in the Seattle zone, so that they could create anarchy. Um, let me first give you uh, a, some insight into Chief Jim Ritz's. Uh, long history. <laughs> I'm not going to be able to tell you all of it because we will be here all day, but it's, um, it's, it's impeccable. He is currently the chief of police with the Willow Springs Police Department in Illinois. He began his career in law enforcement in 1985, and what makes him particularly special is that he went through the ranks in all these different positions, which now helps him to be a much more effective chief of police. He has been in patrol, criminal investigations, patrol sergeant, direct detective sergeant, lieutenant division commander, criminal investigations, and then chief of police. He also has lots of other uh, very impressive credentials. He's a member of the executive board of the FBI's Joint Terrorism Task Force. He has secret security clearance. He is a director of a major crimes task force. He has two master's degrees, one in criminal social justice and one in public service management. He also was graduated from the FBI National Academy for Law Enforcement and Executive Development uh, in Quantico. I mean, oh, wow. <laughs> you know, Quantico, like criminal minds. <laughs> um, but he's, he's the real thing. And he's a professor in criminal justice and a trainer in crisis communications and critical incident management. And, oh, and he's won all kinds of awards, including the Congressional Record Lifesaving Award. Um, I've only given you some highlights, but obviously uh, it's enough to tell you that we have the real deal here. A top cop, and I can't wait um, for you to talk to us about these different issues. I mean, first of all, this is an incredibly critical time in the history of the police. And why don't you just start to start off with, just tell us sort of your general sense of where things are. 
I'd like to, to first thank you for the opportunity to be on your, your show, Dr. Lieberman, and address your audience. And just to follow up on what you said, it's just right now it's a, it's a real difficult time in law enforcement uh, for all the men and women that go out there and serve the profession honorably and serve the people and serve their communities because it's, 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 just, it's just a dangerous time. And, you know, through, through this whole process and as law enforcement officers, we, we all um, were concerned and, and mourned about the, the Floyd death in Minneapolis. And it, it's, it, it hurts when you see how the police officers today through the media, through politicians are just getting demonized when 99% of them go out there and, and serve this profession so honorably, so professionally, and with integrity. And just to hear and see some of the things that are being reported, it's just, it's devastating to, to the morale. And right now it's, it's more demotivating police officers in today's policing arena than it is motivating to do their jobs. Yes. You know, um, I have uh, both treated police officers and also been involved as a psychiatric expert witness, um, both on the side of police officers and on the side of the person suing police officers. So um, I know absolutely not only that 99% of them have integrity and are good cops and, and risk their life every single day to protect us, but as a psychiatrist, I think about you know, what makes a cop want to become one? Um, like, for example, when they were in school, uh, in elementary school, and a cop came to school, you know, to, uh, to talk about his work, you know, when different parents and people come to class to teach the kids about their different jobs and so on, and there are people who have become cops today because of being inspired by that. Then others have been, uh, had family members or themselves helped by a cop when they were younger and that really left an impression. And then of course there are a lot who follow their family into the profession. Why don't we start with that? What, what made you, (laughs) what made you want to be a cop? It it was the same thing growing up, you know, going into, coming out of high school, going into college. I wasn't sure which way I wanted to go into the business world or into the into the law enforcement world, and I could never picture myself sitting behind a desk and uh, changed my fields of study and went into the law enforcement profession. You know, exactly what you said. You remember those memories when you were a kid, you know, with policemen and when policemen driving by and you would see, you know, kids waving or running up to your car. And just to have that, that opportunity to help people, help the community, you know, to give those assistance that need a little more assistance than we do at the time. And, and, and part of that job is the, is the rewarding experiences of that all that we get, to, all the people we get to help in, in, in many different ways because you're, you're dealing with people at some real difficult times in their lives. And, that, and that's why they're, they're calling you to help them out. And on the other end of the spectrum, like with me being – uh, uh, and an adjunct faculty professor, you know, teaching kids that just want to get into the profession 
And and when you see what's happening now, you know, I just tell them, you never want to take anyone's goal away, what they want to do in their lives. And I just say right now, and they see it. And it's, it's just, and I tell them that it's just a real difficult time that they're going to be entering into this profession. And again, I, you know, with the, with the, um, the environment that's being created with all the negativity, the demonization of the job. And I think you're going to see, unfortunately, over the next few weeks or, or a few months, a mass exit, you know, leaving the profession. And prior to this, uh, I, I've read some articles on and across the country that, um, you know, there was a tremendous shortage of people wanting to enter into the profession. And now you take that factor with, with the mass exit that might be occurring, that has occurred and going to be occurring over the next few weeks and months, you're going you're gonna to see a real, real shortage, I think, in there of quality police officers that you're going to see on the street. Yes, you know, that's an interesting thought with you teaching. I mean, that must be so oh, difficult, disheartening to go in there, hear these Students are looking up to you, and they're all excited to to become a police officer, so on. And then, and now, all this is going on. Like, what do you, what do you tell them? I mean, do they are they what are they telling you? Are they saying maybe maybe we're gonna, you know, quit the class or quit school or decide <laughs> well, to do some, something some else? Some have changed, and so many students that I've had over the years, and that that's my reward of, of teaching. I've seen so many of them go on into uh, police work, law enforcement, into the criminal justice system, into the, into the federal system or corrections or adult or juvenile probation and become successful. And I, I get more questions nowadays when you, uh, when you hear some of this um, <laughs> irresponsible behaviors of they want police officers to do their job, but then you have governors and, and, and those who run county jails releasing your most violent offenders, yeah. your murderers, your rapists, your violent offenders yeah. back into the society. And the difficulty now is they ask me, like during class, well, why is this happening? Or yeah. why aren't they charging people? We have a uh, a Cook County State's attorney here that they refuse to charge p- people with with um, with the crimes again, putting them on electronic monitoring. Monitoring laws are being changed in in the state of New York where you're getting arrested and and there's no bond. They release them back out, and the recidivism rate is is probably eighty to ninety percent where they're back out committing crimes the next day. And I've read so many cases in. In, in New York City where that's happened, so many cases in the city of Chicago would happen where, you know, they're releasing prisoners early and it was uh, um, a poor student from the University of Illinois, Chicago, where an individual should have still been in jail for violent crimes for, I believe, six or seven more years. And he, he locked onto his student and followed her into the parking lot, beat her, strangled her, and then raped her after she, after she died. And 
again, that it's that demotivating element for police officers to go out and do their job when you look at the system, when it's, it's, it's sending mixed messages of what you want to do in arresting those who are violent offenders when they won't charge them, and then when they charge them, they immediately release them, and then when they go to prison and they serve half sentences or, or what's going on now since the, the uh, COVID-19 national emergency, now they're letting these violent offenders back out into, into their communities again. And, and you look at the wave of, of the shootings that are going on, and it's just, it's just terrible. Yes, and so for a police officer who risks his life to catch these people in the first place, and then to have them be released, it's just, uh, I, I, it must be so incredibly uh, demoralizing. And yes, in the bond, I mean, I've been reading the stories, too, about how, um, like, especially in New York, um, and I guess Chicago, too, uh, where, where they, I mean, one story was of a, an, an offender who um, was released and he was caught again three times in the same day, and then they kept releasing him because there was no bond. I mean, what do you think? I, I, I don't, I don't know I, when local local officials or judges or those at the politics, you know, the powers that be in the politics, you know, when are they going to wake up? When are they going to wake up and and realize, you know, what the hell is going on here? And and you and you brought up, you know. With, with the city of Chicago, what's going on, and I can, I can speak with them because, you know, they're close to our community, and I have many, many friends there, and, you know, you just this past Sunday morning at, at 12.45 a.m. in the morning, you had a, a, a 12-year-old being shot um, over the last, since just in the month of June, as of yesterday, you had... 30 shot and killed, 202 people shot and wounded, a total of 232 people shot with 33 homicides. You know, and I, I would, a lot of us in this job and who I work with, and it doesn't, make, doesn't matter what race or gender that we look at, it, it's just confusing that w- where's the public outrage for this? Because no one's condoning what happened up in, in, in Minneapolis and that was a tragedy. Shouldn't have happened. That officer was charged what he deserved to be charged with. And, and that's, I still haven't watched the whole video because I don't want to because of the fact that every police officer that I've spoke to in our profession said it's just, it's terrible to watch it. And I don't, I don't want to see a man, um, you know, murdered like that. And mm-hmm. what gets blown out of whack, and if, if, if you look at the yearly statistics, you know, you've got 278 total homicides in the city of Chicago, and everybody likes to turn this around and turn this, the telescope around and blame the police. But uh, all of the, the 13, almost 1,400 people that have been shot in 2020, only three were killed by police officers and four were shot. So if you look at the percentages of that, that's less than one half of one percent where these shootings or uh, deadly use of force shootings were were involved the police officers. But who's catching Mm -hmm. all the heat for it right now at this time? And there's just no, 
there's no public outcry for this except if it involves uh, a police officer. Yes, yes, that's a, a very good point. Um, there certainly should be a, a public outcry about, you know, uh, letting letting all these people go. I mean, this whole excuse of, of COVID, uh, why, you know, I, I do a lot of, I have to see a lot of people in jails for my criminal, you know, expert witness work. And there are certainly ways to put people who are positive for COVID in one part of the jail, um, in a separate part of the jail, and you have the people who are still testing negative in another part. There's no reason to release everybody. And besides, it's absurd. You know, it's absurd. <laughs> I mean, the, the people who are being released are not not the people who are going to be. They're not going to be wearing masks. They're not going to be uh, six feet apart. You know, they're not going to be the kinds of people who are going to care about anybody else in society in, in terms of um, getting close to them and, and uh, potentially infecting them, uh, whether they have COVID or whether they're positive when they leave the jail or not. So, so it is absurd. I mean, I think maybe it will take uh, someone suing or enough people suing who have been killed by someone who was released before their time. Oh, absolutely. Well, they had, a, they had a case in Chicago where, because the mayor declared it a sanctuary city, and they had an illegal, they released, uh, I forgot what crimes he had, he had an extensive record, and they released him on a charge, and then he went and sex, uh, raped or sexually assaulted a three-year-old in a bathroom at a McDonald's. And mm. the mayor never took any, any responsibility for that and defended her actions of being a sanctuary city and, and, and not involving the federal government to do the ICE to do what they should have done and deport uh -huh. this individual. It's just, it's, it's just a, a terrible circle. What, what, what's going on and a constant where it just continues with crime. And it's just, it's, it's across the board. And again, it's frustrating for, for those in, this, in, in the law enforcement profession to have to deal with this and see it on a daily basis. Yes, absolutely. Well, we need to take a break now. Um, my guest is Chief of Police Jim Ritz. Uh, we're going to be taking a break, and we will be right back and keep continue talking about all these topics that are so incredibly important. We're going to talk um, about George Floyd. We're going to talk... Uh, I want to... Uh, get also to the order that President Trump just signed, which I think should be helpful, but we'll see what the police chief feels. Okay, so stay tuned. You're listening to Dr. Carol's Couch, and I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787, Hello? and ask our all-star team to answer your question. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. Are you having difficulty coping with these troubled times? Do you want help? Then contact Dr. Carol Lieberman today at www.drcarol.com. Dr. Carol is a certified psychiatrist who not only has won an Emmy, but is a regular on top television shows like Oprah Winfrey and Larry King. 
She's here to help you through books, CDs, and helplines. Having trouble relaxing? Check out her relaxation CD. Has the fear of terrorism crippled your life? Call the terrorism hotline. And if you're having trouble with relationships, check out her book, Bad Boys. Dr. Carol wants to help you today, so contact her at www.drcarol.com or for immediate help at 1-900-860-COPE. Get help making sense of these troubled times. www.drcarol.com The Voice America Live Events Channel is here now to showcase your corporate, individual, or organization's live event. Visit voiceamerica.com forward slash live events to see all of our past live events and find out more. Whether it's a multi-day conference, special speaker, or single-day event, we've got everything to make your event a success. We can do a few hours or a few days. For more information about taking your event to the next level, call Jeff Spinard at 480-294-6417 or email info at voiceamerica.com. Again, that's Jeff Spinard at 480-294-6417 or send us an email to info at voiceamerica.com. Voice America is where you are and where you want to be. Join us around the globe as we broadcast live from some of the most interesting events available. Don't forget to view all our live events, including on-demand access to past events that you may have missed by visiting voiceamerica.com forward slash live events. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. If you have a question or comment for Dr. Carol, dial toll free at 1 866 472 5788. Now back to the show. Here's Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. We're talking today about good cop, bad cop. A few bad apples can defund the police. And we have a good cop on today, a top good cop or a good top cop, (laughs) Jim Ritz. And I'm talking about all the horrendous things. You know, one of the things I I mentioned before in some of your bio credits about how uh, you were a member of the, you are a member of the uh, executive board of the FBI's Joint Terrorism Task Force, and one of the things that really has gotten lost with all of this chaos and and um, letting criminals out and you know defunding the police and all this um, is that besides you know it being uh, chaos and us all being unprotected if we defunded the police, people are forgetting about terrorists. You know, with coronavirus and now this George Floyd uh, hullabaloo, um, uh, it's too much to think about. You know, it's hard to get one's head around just those things. And people are totally forgetting about real terrorists, real um, radical Islamist terrorists. And, you know, this this is like, uh, this is their dream. I mean, it's hard to believe that they didn't, I mean, I know they did have a hand in some, some ways, but it really wasn't primarily uh, radical Islamists who have created the coronavirus and now um, right. police chaos. And this, but this is a terrorist dream. And so between police becoming demoralized and, um, and quitting, um, new students not wanting to go into the police department, and defunding the police so there would be less police. I mean, this is a terrorist dream. People have forgotten 
but the terrorists have not. The radical Islamists, <laughs> now hear this, folks, they have not given up on overtaking the West. That is still, that is what they live for, okay? So if we don't Absolutely. have police, not only will we have rape and murder and all of that, but we're going to be having a, a, an invitation to terrorists to come over in droves and, and um, attack us, and there will be no more America. And that, that was the point, you know, of the, of the president's primary goal of shutting down the borders was um, with the terrorists coming in. You know, whether it was the, you know, the Islamic terrorists going in, or you had the Mexican cartels, and you had that gang element. But the number one threat coming over the border, what people didn't realize, was the, the child exploitation and uh, what was going on with, with kids coming into there, into the human trafficking role of it. So, I mean, it was, it was twofold on, on to closing the borders um, to pre- preventing all that. You know, uh, you had the MS-13 coming in. You had, you yeah. had the gangs coming in. You had the Islamic terrorists, ISIS, and, and, and them coming in for a cost to get over and again, from the law enforcement uh, perception of what you see, and again, how they demonized ICE for doing their job and trying to shut down the borders um, to bring these, this element into our, our, our community is just, it's, it's devastating, you know. And, you know, this has been going on for a while over the last few years in law enforcement. It's building that relationships with your community. And our number one goal, you know, is to keep our community safe, get involved with the community. And, again, what they're taking out of, out of context here is, is everything else but that the real problem is crime. I don't, I don't see it being fueled by racism because there's been a number of studies that have been uh, conducted by um, scientific studies, it's been uh, by college university studies and research, uh, the media, the Washington Post have, have conducted many that show that the evidence doesn't support um, the charge that law enforcement is systematically biased towards anybody, whether they're coming in and, and what we do on this job. And the real problem is, is that no one wants to look at it, is crime is out of control. And then you, mm-hmm, have, mm-hmm. you have certain political individuals that want to defund the police or dismantle police departments altogether, and what does that leave you? You know, many departments are already facing serious budgetary challenges even before COVID. Now they're facing them, you know, during COVID and, and probably long after. And if you sit and defund, defund police agencies of of money to um, uh, put into, uh, uh, I know I can speak for the state of Illinois, but we have a lot more mandated training in regards to dealing with people with mental health, in regards to use of force. Um, a lot of these reforms in Illinois have been taking place, and especially, you know, with our Chiefs of Police um, organization where we adopted the 10 shared principles of working with that, the, how we handle um you know, crisis responses and now training towards de-escalation 
investments in non-lethal equipment or technology, they're going to they're going to bury these police departments when they talk about defunding, which is going to you know again circle into poor services that we're going to be able to provide our communities. And again, the cornerstone of policing is 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 community involvement, and that's what represents the model of of what we try to do in law enforcement. Yes. Um, you know, it, it's not a very complicated, it shouldn't be a very complicated con- concept to understand that the fewer police, the more crime. I mean, <laughs> no. really, it's not, it doesn't take a brain surgeon to figure that one out. Um, right. let's, talk, um, let's talk about the killing of George Floyd. Now, one of the things that interests me and I'm wondering if maybe you have some inside scoop on this, is that um, in, there was one person, George Floyd and um, Derek Chauvin, um, both worked as security for a nightclub in Minneapolis. And that's, that's what I understand, yes. Man, and this one man who also worked at the nightclub um, spoke out and said, that there was bad blood between the two of them. They had, um, oh, I forget the expression he used, but it was like rubbed shoulder, rubbed, rubbed, you know, they, they, they like didn't like each other um, because of things that happened during the time that they worked there. And so that it was personal, in other words, that it wasn't just a racist cop, you know, who happened to come across this black man and kill them. It was that, um, he actually knew him when he came across him and, um, and, you know, thought to himself, oh, that's the guy from the, from the club and, and hated him. Do you, and, then, and so then this man who worked at the club who spoke out and said this took back his story, and that's very fishy. It seems to me that somebody must have paid him off or something to, to then say, no, um, that didn't happen like that it, because, in other words, to make it just purely a racist act, not because not that there was anything personal. Do you know anything about that? That, that Dr. Lieberman, that I don't. I haven't, you know, read much on that. Um, but I, I would only go again that you know, you look at that violence is not acceptable. Period. And again. If you're looking at it from the law enforcement perspective on, on the studies that have shown that there is no anti-black or anti-Hispanic disparities involved with police-related re- shootings or, um, you know, calls for service. Um, again, violence is an acceptable period. There was no justification for George, George Floyd's death, nor was there... Um, any justification for all the violent behaviors that involve the, the destruction of businesses, the looting, the injuries, the serious injuries, and the murders of people and police officers that happen throughout the country, hundreds of them. But there also is no justification to undermine the authority of police in what we do. And, again, our job, you know, is to... Enforce the laws. We took that oath to, you know, we wore that badge and we, to um, serve in this profession. And like I said, 99% of us serve it honorably, professionally, serve with integrity. And again, where we get, where we're, we keep getting punched is that 
you know, um, Officer Chauvin from from Minneapolis doesn't represent the 99% of us, and we hear about, well, George Floyd did this in his past, and, you know, the criminal history behind him, you know, that, that's all in good, but it doesn't doesn't account for what happened to him. No man should lose his, his right. life like that for what he did in the past. Right. Just as his job right, right. doesn't represent, you know, police officers and law enforcement, you know, George Floyd, because he had a criminal background and, and went to jail, he doesn't represent uh, a lot in the African-American community either. And right. that, that's what the shame of all this is, uh, of what's going on. And I think... You know, again, my opinion on this is the first priority where this comes down to is the community leaders and the local politicians is I think we got to go back to school 101 and teach people how to obey the laws. Mm-hmm. So about what um, they're saying nowadays, know, it's, 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 it's okay to, um, you know, go out loop where uh, the police officers were told to stand down and not do anything. But it, it's okay to go out and you can drive drunk and uh, then attack a police officer. You can beat your wife. And then when the officers are going there, that they get ambushed and so many are, are shot and killed and attacked and uh, uh, responding to domestic violence calls. You know, it's against mm-hmm. the laws. It's mm-hmm. the, the laws of every state. You can't fight with police. You can't resist. Try to disarm police officers. You know, you can't, you're not supposed to, when police officers go to pull you over, you're not supposed to, 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 to flee in your car or use your car as a weapon, as a deadly weapon. And again, maybe, maybe the local community leaders have to go out and start educating their communities again on, on, on the rules of law that's out there, what's right and, and what's wrong. And, but, uh, you know, we had that situation in Atlanta a couple days ago. And, you know, mm-hmm. the city of Atlanta sent out, um, you know, some mixed messages there where, you know, just prior to the, the officers uh, shooting the individual with the tasers, five, a couple weeks prior to that, I believe, five police officers were fired for tasing two out-of-control students in a car. And the district mm-hmm. attorney's office says the officer's use of force with the taser was considered deadly force. So now, lo and behold, we have that individual a couple days ago, the suspects arrested for DUI, which is against the law, fights with police, steals the, uh, involved with a fight, beating the police officer, steals his taser, he runs away, turns around and points the taser, and the police officer uses, uses deadly force against him, which he was he's justified to do under state of Illinois laws, and then now... That they're saying that um, that the taser isn't a deadly weapon, you know, to you. So you're getting you're getting mixed messages across the board of how to perform our jobs. And, yeah. and again, when we talk about you know, I talk about the media and how um, you know they don't promote or fully understand the facts of every case. I think another thing that people really need to be to be educated about is is use of force and the deadly use of force when you could use it, but the, the media doesn't, and, and people fully don't understand what police officers respond to and see 
on a daily basis of just the horrific mm-hmm. things that we're involved with and the constant exposure to the tragedies and, you know, the ill effects of this job can go home with us every day. And that's where we need professionals and, and you know, law enforcement, how you how you're so supportive of police officers and law enforcement, you know, to understand that uh, on the on the mm-hmm. mental health perspective that 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 police officers go through. And I, I think you know it and that police officers experience depression at a five times higher rate than the average person. That's because of the stressful mm-hmm. profession they're in. You know, you mentioned um, standing down. I mean, it, that was one of the most frustrating things that I have seen in these recent riots where in New York and in Beverly Hills and other places in Los Angeles and all over the place where people were looting and being violent and hurting bystanders, you know, innocent bystanders, and the police are just standing there. I mean, that must have... What, I, I have yet to get a good explanation for that, um, except you were starting to say that, you know, that the local um, politicians, mayors and so on, told them to do that. But, but well, when we, we're going to have to take a break now, but when we come back, I would like you to address that, because sure. in any case, that must have been incredibly demoralizing for, I mean, I don't know that I could think of anything worse for a police officer who has been trained to stop crime to be told to stand there and watch these people looting and and hurting, killing, um, being violent towards innocent bystanders. I mean, that would seem to me to be the worst torture. But when we come back, we will talk about that with my guest, uh, Police Chief Jim Ritz. We're talking today about good cop, bad cop, a few bad apples, can defund the police. So stay tuned. You're listening to Dr. Carol's Couch, and I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your questions. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. Are you having difficulty coping with these troubled times? Do you want help? Then contact Dr. Carol Lieberman today at www.drcarol.com. Dr. Carol is a certified psychiatrist who not only has won an Emmy, but is a regular on top television shows like Oprah Winfrey and Larry King. She's here to help you through books, CDs, and helplines. Having trouble relaxing? Check out her relaxation CD. Has the fear of terrorism crippled your life? Call the terrorism hotline. And if you're having trouble with relationships, check out her book, Bad Boys. Dr. Carol wants to help you today, so contact her at www.drcarol.com or for immediate help at 1-900-860-COPE. Get help making sense of these troubled times. www.drcarol.com Tune into the Voice America Variety Channel on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Voice America Variety broadcasts a diverse array of topics reaching a global community. Our experts come from all walks of life, and the topics they discuss are everything from current events, arts and entertainment, leadership, parenting, relationships, self-improvement, career advice, and a variety of other topics. Check us out today. You're sure to find something of interest. Voice America Variety. Talk on today's hot topics. 
We're with you wherever Alexa and Google are. At home, in the car, on your smart TV, and your connected devices. Hey, Alexa. Hey, Google. Play my favorite Voice America podcast on TuneIn. It's just that easy. But make sure you actually mention the name of the podcast show to make it work. Streaming live. The leader in Internet talk radio. VoiceAmerica.com. Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. If you have a question or comment for Dr. Carol, dial toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now back to the show, here's Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. I want to get right back to my guest, uh, Police Chief Jim Ritz. We're talking about good cop, bad cop. A few bad apples can defund the police. So before the break, I said that... um, Uh, Chief Ritz was going to be talking about what that was like having to stand down when people were committing crimes right in front of you for all the police that were told to do that. Well, I know, uh, at least in the state of Illinois, in in the city of Chicago, that the the, the mayor didn't request any help prior to when this was starting to, to boil a day or two beforehand, and the governor never, the governor never authorized um, the use of the National Guard. And I don't listen to police scanners too much when I'm off duty, unless it involves our department. But that Saturday night when, when Chicago was up to grab, up for grabs, a couple friends of mine texted me the, uh, the citywide band. And I listened to that for about an hour. And I, it was just, it was just terrible because you had a lack of direction for crowd control and how they were going to handle the protest. And that, that, that's involved with prior incident command planning, where this should have been set up with barricades in the street. You had police officers screaming for assistance that were getting hurt, um, just buildings just being attacked and, and, and looted. You have police officers screaming on the air, you know, when are they going to shut down the, the expressways? to block off the exit ramp so people couldn't get into the city. And a lot of this was um, all after the fact that they were told to stand down, um, to have no response to the looting, the, you know, the protesters running wild and, and the vandalism taking place and the violence. And again, they didn't until the next day, they didn't hold people over. They didn't call people in to assist with that. And just to listen to what the men and women of the Chicago Police Department was going through was just, it, it was just devastating to listen to that as a police officer and putting myself in the position if that was the, the men and women that I was in, in command for over there. Um, now in response to the, the Atlanta shooting, uh, just yesterday all days off were canceled. For uh, the Chicago police officers, they're back on 12 shifts, uh, 12 hour shifts, which again, they haven't, you have some, due to their, their day off patterns, you might have some of these police officers now working upwards of almost three plus weeks in a row at 12 hour shifts. Mm-hmm. So um, they're going to be physically um, and emotionally drained from all this, and then they're going to expect them. You know, when they encounter a possible uh, deadly situation, 
you know, with the cognitive abilities of thinking because because of the exhaustion, what's going on. And I know the police department unions, uh, you know, uh, filing some court orders to try and get them off of the 12 hour shifts just for the, the health and well-being of the officers. But a lot of it came from a lack of leadership at the top orders from leaders to stand down and not to um, enforce and even even departments that were arresting people for the looting and, and damage to property and uh, the assaults taking place the state attorney's offices refused charges on them so again that's that's uh, for police officers it's like spitting into the wind it just yeah. has a devastating effect on everybody well, spitting into their face, really, you know. Yeah, um, well, they they off they had that. You know, the mayor of Chicago, well, she um, one of the most disrespectful things I've ever seen or witnessed, and irresponsible things is she told the president of the United States to f you, but she mm-hmm. wanted a police officer fired because he he flipped off he flipped uh, off some of the protesters and not taking into effect uh-huh. that officer probably worked how many days in a row uh-huh. the officers were getting uh-huh. bottles thrown at them bottles of urine thrown at them um rocks probably being called everybody who their mother was and who they were sons of and and mm-hmm. he flipped off the protesters and she wants them fired and then mm-hmm. the, the mm-hmm. hypocrisy involved with it and she can verbally tell the president of the united states to f you but she yeah. wants a police officer fired after working probably 10, 11, 12 days in a row and, and flipping off a protester. Yeah. Well, let's talk about the uh, executive order that President Trump just signed. It's, I, I think um, it, it really, uh, it, it's, you know, it seemed like a very good uh, move, <laughs> a very good uh, order. And of course, right after he, uh, you know, read it and signed it and so on, uh, of course, we have um, people from the other political party putting it down because I think they realized this is really good and people were going to like it. Anyway, right. his main thing is he um, rejects the idea of defunding the police. That's the number one thing. Um, he praised the police. Uh, he said, law and order must be further restored nationwide and your federal government is ready, willing, and able to help. Um, he said that the least we can do because they deserve it so much after he praised law enforcement officers. And he said the least we can do because they deserve it so much. They have to get our gratitude. and We have to give them great respect for what they do. Uh, in many cases, local law enforcement is underfunded, understaffed, and undersupported. And so um, his, one of the main things he said was, I strongly oppose the radical, I mean, this is the key thing, I strongly oppose the radical and dangerous efforts to defund, dismantle, and dissolve our police departments. Americans know the truth. Without police, there is chaos. Without law, there is anarchy. And without safety, there is catastrophe. Um, He banned the use of police chokeholds, except if the officer's life is at risk. And he is mainly um, working, you know, by... uh, by, you know, instead of punishment, um, providing help. So he's um, incentivizing police departments to train the police better um, and, you know, giving money for all kinds of additional training. He also said that he wants to have um, 
people like trained professionals, such as social workers, to respond to calls for certain nonviolent issues, such as including mental health issues, drug addiction, and homelessness. In other words, to go along with the police. What do you think of that idea? Well, I agree with it. And, um, you know, going back to, like, with the chokehold, what, what, you know, started this uh, throughout our country, the state of Illinois had that, already had that in their statutes as a prohibited uh, use of force where you can't use a chokehold uh, in the performance of your duties unless deadly force is justified. And, again, that's in all the mandated training that we've had to receive in regards to use of force and the use of deadly force. And, and, and I agree like that. Some of the areas where I, I would look at, because when you're dealing with people uh, with mental health issues, those situations and calls for service, they, they could be friendly at first, but they could escalate in a quick, in, in, in a quick second. And they mm-hmm. would really have to be to be trained, you know, in that area there. And again, when they, the president and in, in my uh, all my years on this job, uh, the president, the sitting president, President Trump, he's been the most pro law enforcement president that that I've seen. And I don't, you know, try and get involved with politics too much, but he's done so much for law enforcement compared to many others. And, you know, if, if it goes down where hopefully they don't defund, because, as, again, as, as police officers, you know, we, we strongly back training and having our police officers trained to the best that we can in many areas. And, you know, so much now uh, is involved with dealing with mental health issues and crisis mm-hmm. intervention training, de-escalating you know, de-escalating situations and, you know, the use of force continuum. It's just if we lose funding, where are we going to be able to pay for that training, especially when it comes down, you know, to the different types of of, of use of force a police officer is going to be able to use with less than lethal weapons and, and different options that we have, especially, you know, when you talk about technology and equipment. It, It all costs a lot of money. And when you have some of these, you know, political leaders, and I think the the city of uh, Minneapolis is already taking steps to to defund or dismantle their entire police department. Yes, yes. You know, you look well, at the, you look at the, the crime rates now, and imagine when you when you defund and take away some of those resources that you can provide with training and equipment and. Yeah. I'm sorry to have to interrupt you, but we're kind of running out That's of okay. time, and I just wanted to I just wanted to say like two more important things. One is sure. that I want everybody to know that I just um, read some of the highlights of the executive order that Trump signed. Not that is not everything. Um, that's number one, and it's, I think it really is a great uh, executive order. Number two, the one thing that isn't in here that I would uh, like to see myself is. Um, just like police officers have to be recertified with their weapons, I think every one to two years police officers should be recertified in terms of their mental health because of what you were saying earlier, that, yes, police officers see incredibly horrific signs 
have incredibly horrific experiences with all the violence that they see, especially things to children and all that. And um, I think there should be a, a check every one to two years of their mental health with psychological testing and, uh, and a session with a psychiatrist. And that would do a lot to get rid of or put on leave temporarily, at least um, any police officer. And we're, again, we're just talking about uh, a small percentage, but anybody who's ha- whose experiences, who has PTSD, for example, from their experiences, and who is um, who needs to address that before they're able to be safe for themselves and safe for other people. So that's one thing I would add. But um, other than that, it's a really um, very um, excellent executive order, and it took a lot of guts to do that under today's conditions. I, I haven't read it, and I, I couldn't agree with you more about the, the health and well-being of police officers and Again, they're they're constantly exposed to tragic, uh, you know, tragedies, horrific things that we see, and as you well know, you know, unfortunately, you know, law enforcement has one of the highest rates of suicide, you know, with the first responders, and it also impacts the military. And again, when you keep getting punched by the media, by congressmen saying that you're you're kissing, hugging, and law-breaking cousins with the KKK like they did in Chicago, and you, you keep getting this beat up, and it, it takes the mental toll on an officer yeah. of, of, of what's going on. And just, I, like I said, I, it, just being a bit, I've always put a big commitment towards CIT training, crisis intervention training, and roll calls and, and, and the health and wellness of our officers, and every officer in this profession is, is first and foremost you know, on my priority list. Yes. Well, thank you so much, Chief Jim Ritz, for um, clearly people people will see there are a lot of good cops out there, and you're one of the best. So thank you for sharing your views on all of this. This is um, clearly a very, a very important uh, issue um, for all of us. It's so a team. We all work together all as a team for, for the good of our, our citizens and our community and our country. So. It was an honor to be on yeah. your show, and thank you very much for what you do in your profession for police officers uh, across the country. Well, thank you. And thank you all for listening. You've been listening to Dr. Carol's Couch, and I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Thank you for joining us on Dr. Carol's Couch. Join us next week at 1 p.m. Pacific time for another installment of Dr. Carol's Couch. We'll save you a seat. 